When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of the Horn. Back to the sports complex on a Monday afternoon on the show today. We'll get into some college basketball talk. Texas getting the upset win over Baylor on Saturday at home. We'll tell you what that means and how they did it and all the reactions uh, from that game, uh, as well as other big play across the Big 12 and another big upset in there. Uh, we will get into some NBA talk as well, wrapping up the weekend, getting you ready for another week of NBA action as the trade deadline is starting to loom a little bit more, we will get into the NFL playoffs and everything that went on this weekend. The Texans are done, but the future is bright. And some of those stalwart teams are still performing at a very, very high level. And of course, your text messages, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. You guys drive the show. We just try to keep it on the rails. That means whatever you guys want to talk about, send it in the text line. We try to get to everybody here on the show. Talk to you guys. Whatever you want to talk about, we'll do the big fat poll of the day. Well, whatever topics we're on, let's go ahead and text it in. And a shout out early in the show to a man, A.D. Hernandez, uh, who actually does that song with the uh, ADH Project. That was actually the heebie-jeebies, but he does his project, ADH Project, where they play that song live now. Uh, A.D. Hernandez, happy birthday to A.D. today. Uh, so happy birthday to AD and uh, always thanks. Thanks for the music. Uh, it's a very good tune. And so we played here. Uh, we played here as the intro. Uh, text lines open. Whatever you guys want to sound off on. We'll see if we still get into Rodney Terry arguments today. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Uh, but a lot to get into. Of course, uh, NFL takes as well. Anything you got on NFL takes. Uh, some news around the 40 acres in football as well. Uh, a lot coming around. Could get announcements on some other things. For Texas football. I hope everybody had a good weekend, though. Enjoyed it. You know, the weather, it's a little bit warmer now, but now it's wet. We don't get a pick. It's not good. It's just still not good weather. Still can't really go out and walk my dog, which is what I've been, I mean, he especially very much wants to do, and I haven't been able to really do because uh, we've continued to have uh, rain or cold. And, and I know you can technically walk a dog. Like if it's like 40 degrees and they're just kind of uncomfortable, but they can still go walk, but I don't want to do it because I'm too uncomfortable. 
So I don't want to go walk two, three miles with my dog. So, yeah. So we have not been going on the walks that we normally go on. So he is ready for that. So I'll be ready for it to stop raining. I'm sure everybody else is to uh, get us to back to that Austin weather that we enjoy. Uh, the players that did show up for Texas a Junior Day this weekend, though, uh, came in and they seem to be enjoying uh, at least the city of Austin and the 40 acres in Texas and what they could offer. A lot of good comments that you saw coming out of this weekend. And we also get a commit for the 2025 class, uh, four-star. He's an athlete. He's an edge from Texarkana. Lance Jackson, a big pickup from the stuff I've read up on him. Uh, the people seem to be very high on him. He's a four-star right now. Could move up into that five-star area uh, of a player that you know a lot of people think uh, high hopes for as that edge, a, a position of need for Texas that even though they're addressing it in the portal some and addressing it with some uh, some signings, You'd like to keep building up that defensive line and building up those edges as much as you possibly can. Uh, so good to get for Texas to get uh, on the edge. Lance Jackson, the newest commit to Texas in that 2025 class. Uh, let's talk some basketball, though, as Texas does beat Baylor 75-73 uh, Saturday morning, which did lead to, you know, a better Saturday. If I have to deal with my Texans losing, then... The fact that Texas got the win over Baylor meant that I wasn't devastated by the end of the Texans game. I could deal with it a little bit better because I got the the win that I really needed. The win that the Texas team really needed. Uh, winning at home where you've already dropped two at home that you shouldn't have dropped. Uh, you know, and, and not against bad teams. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, teams that you have to – teams that you should have been able to beat. Teams uh, – a UCF game where it really – you had it in control and let it slip, slip away. This is a you know a, a Texas Tech game that you should have been able to be more in control of in that game, uh, so you need a big win here. They get it against a Baylor team. Both teams shoot the lights out in this game. Uh, both teams shot just did a huge percentage. Uh, Texas shot nine for eleven for three in the first half. Uh, shoot sixty four percent from the field in the first half. End up shooting fifty one percent from the field. Uh, in that first half, the three-point shooting completely bottomed out in the second half. One of the negatives we can find in that game. There's plenty to look at in that game and say there's plenty to still improve, but you're happy you come away with a win. Tyrese Hunter plays one of his better games. He's one of those guys that when he's off, it becomes much harder for Texas to win uh, because he plays, you know, if his defense is better, then his offense gets better. He puts up 21 points, leads the Longhorns. Of course, that great play at the end of the game that was set up, and it, it was a it was a Missed opportunity from Baylor that they basically came up on DeSue, which they shouldn't have done. They should have played back. DeSue was not going to you know, shoot from half court and beat you, so you didn't really need to come up on him and pressure him, but that's what they chose to do. He's able to pass the ball off to Tyrese Hunter that now has a one-on-one with no real rim protection uh, underneath to go after him, so Tyrese Hunter makes a cut to the basket and is able to hang there for just long enough to get the ball off, puts it up, and they win 75-73. Uh, I'll get to the negatives. Let's start with the positive. We'll start with the good news first, and then we'll get into things that Texas is going to need to work on to keep improving this team as you get into 2020, you know, more of the 2024 Big 12 season. Uh, you you're, you know, that wasn't a game that you can look at and say, well, the tide has turned, and now Texas is away. But there are some positives. One, we saw Rodney Terry start to embrace the smaller lineup. We're starting to embrace where you have some strengths, and this won't be able to be done every single game because some bigs are going to come in, and you know that was part of the problem with UCF. You got thoroughly out-rebounded. But you put in hustle guys out there, putting some smaller guys out there to stay a little bit more out of foul trouble, 
to stay. You keep your bigs be in the game. Dylan DeSue did get into foul trouble and the game doesn't foul out. He plays with four. They do have to do the substitutions at the end. But you see him play Kendall Weaver, who had a big game. He brought the energy. And his offense isn't where it needs to be right now, but his defense is. And his energy is. And his rebounding and everything he's trying to do on the court. Uh, a huge play at the end of the game that's not really a stat play, but to poke the ball out and give Texas another opportunity to go score uh, and get the free throw with with no time. That Those types of things where you're able to give Texas another opportunity to, instead of letting Baylor come down uh, with a tie game and hold for the last shot, you're able to give yourself an opportunity. That was a huge play for, by Kendall Weaver. So it was good to see him get some more playing time, embracing your strengths, whereas you would like to be able to go bigger because that's what you're going to be matching up with in some of these teams. And if you have talent at and size – a lot of these teams just kind of size. They're not necessarily the most talented bigs. If you're able to play a Shedrick and a Dylan Mitchell and a Sue together and then put Brock in and you just have a lot of size, you can bump around with guys. That's the way Rodney, I think, would like to play is a more physical, more rim-protecting team. They haven't gotten the calls this season. You haven't been able to do that. So starting to adjust that smaller lineup, having uh, IT Horton come in the lineup, not a great game this time, but he plays defense is getting better. I know defense was not a strong point of this game. It's getting better. Uh, but Kendall Weaver coming in was huge. I was happy to see Chris Johnson get at least a little bit of play when you know that there's not enough depth on this team uh, right now and you have a talented young player, get him in the game a little bit. And I know it's a home game against Baylor on ESPN. It's probably not the best place to put him into the game where maybe you could hide him away that you're not you know, the feature game on ESPN and you know, you maybe can get him against not the number nine team in the country. You can give him a little bit more opportunity. Uh, but I was happy to see that Chris Johnson was able to get into the game because you just want to get him some more minutes to see if maybe he can crack in that rotation five or six minutes and maybe you get a little spark out of him and maybe he can keep progressing. And even if he doesn't become a piece that you'd like to see uh, by the end of the season, by March, you'd like to be able to see him step up and become a part of that rotation because we know the talent level is there for young Chris Johnson. Uh, but we saw Kendall Weaver played 19 minutes in that game. That's a huge step up for Kendall Weaver. That type of, you know, rewarding a player for coming in and playing those minutes and doing what he could do was a big step up. Brock Cunningham's minutes dropped down to 10 minutes. He just hasn't been the player he needed to be right now. Maybe get him a little bit more rest, get him a little bit, you know, get him in the matchups where he matches up better against them and, and you know, get him a little bit more assimilated with this lineup. He's been a good field general, but he just hasn't been able to do it on the other end of the court right now, and he's going to need those things to pick up as it goes in. Plus, the refs really do have it out for him. Uh, you know, he is bumping, he's going after it, and they do not seem to be caring at all about fouling him out of every single game. Uh, they don't seem to care too much about it, so he's going to have to continue to worry about that and uh, working on that. Uh, another big piece, a positive we can say in this game, seven turnovers for Texas. And when things are going well, but the passing was so much more crisp, there was still ball movement. They do have 14 assists in this game, so you're starting to see the ball be able to move more. We talked about it with Max Acemas, that he wasn't necessarily the scorer as they were really trying to cover him. He has seven assists in the game. So when Max Acemas starts to get doubled and starts to get you know more pressure on him or they try and put in the zone to get away from it, he still does go and hit three threes. He puts up 15 points, but you're able to see him get used in other ways, get to the assist where he puts up a seven, and that's a big help for Texas. If he can continue to learn more, play more off the ball, and get the ball to the right guys and then move around and make defenses have to guard different players, that's where he's going to become a really 
unguardable player, and that's how you start to get those wide open threes. That's you know Steph Curry stuff of being able to move without the ball, and then when you have the ball, find the right guy, knowing that the ball will come back to you if you can get yourself open. But instead of trying to create in a double team or create when you're getting helped off of and you know there's a secondary guy coming off, get rid of the ball, shake that defender, and get back to at least a one-on-one, if not a one-on-one of a guy with his feet not set when you're catching the ball and you are in the uh, control of the play. Those are the things that Max A. Smith needs to keep working on. And if he can get there, that'll be a huge help for uh, Max A. Smith and this Texas team going forward. Texas wins points in the paint, 28-20. to 20. They win the fast break points, 13-2. to 2. To be able to be a faster team in the game, to be you know able to get inside and get in the paint, they do hold uh, Missy, the, the talented uh, big man for Baylor, to seven points in the game. He doesn't ever really get going in that game. Of course, Jacoby Walter went off. We know that he was playing well. He was somebody I would have not tried to get to go off. But that does mean they stopped Ray J. Dennis, who only has two points in the game. So there were a lot of positives in there. The negatives, we can easily see as well. They went 0 for 8 for 3 in the second half. You can't do that. You you know, you know allowed uh, Baylor for the game to shoot basically 50%, 50% from 3, 48% from the field. Those are types of things you don't want to see. You don't want to see that defense lacking at that ability where guys are hitting. And, and guys on both sides were just hitting a lot of shots. So the defense was there at points, and guys were having good contests. Like the last play of the game, Dylan Mitchell came out on a good contest on Jalen Bridges, and he just made a better shot over the top of it. So those types of things will happen. Those types of things, you know, you, you need to get you need to shore up some. You need to get Dylan Mitchell to play a little bit better on that defensive end. You need him to be able to attack inside. He didn't necessarily have a great offensive game. We know that his, his offense needs to progress. For Texas to be able to be a bigger threat once you get to March and a bigger threat in the Big 12, we know that. And I'm sure they're working with him. I'm sure they're trying to get in that confidence. I don't know how many of the guys really have the confidence on this Big 12 team, on this Texas team right now. I think you need to get that confidence for shooting up a little bit more. Uh, But this was a Texas team that shot pretty poorly last season, too, until they got later into the season, and that picked up, and the offense picked up. So you'd hope that they'd be able to get to there. Uh, and again, I'll put in there, I, I you know they have a new strength and conditioning coach here at Texas. And I think that, you know, you need to keep growing that program. Uh, he's He does have college experience, but he was in the NBA last. And it seems like things are not being done in a way where Texas players are able to play 38 minutes in a game and be valuable in the second half the same way. Now, Tyrese Hunter was able to go down and hit the big shot, but he also airballed a three right before that. And, you know, we know that he had the cramping problems, and it looked like that. He airballed a free throw as well, that his legs just weren't there for shooting. So if your legs are not there for shooting, is that the workout you're doing the day before or two days before? Is that something where you're trying to build them up and you're not giving them enough recovery time? Is it something that before the game, the work, the warm-ups or whatever you're doing is using too much that he's not? they're not able to be able to shoot with the effectiveness in the second half they need to be able to shoot with where the percentage is dropping a large margin on basically everything. I mean, they shot 64% from the field in the first half, 40% in the second, uh, 81% from three to 0%. I mean, that's you know as big of a drop-off as you're going to have. So I think strength and conditioning, it needs to be a growing process that clearly something is off in it. And this is a team where some of these players, we know Terry Sunner had issues with uh, cramping last year, but stamina and airballing threes wasn't one, and I don't think he's necessarily going backwards, that you maybe just 
having workouts at the wrong time in the week, and they're just not recovering the way they need to. That rest and recovery, those processes, when you're talking about college kids, and I know there's NIL versus pro, uh, where these guys have invested more in their bodies, and you know the guys who are going to be playing 35, 40 minutes a game in the NBA, like if you're talking about a Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant invests plenty into his body and his own strength and conditioning, his own things where maybe a Tyrese Hunter and a Max A. Smith and a, and a Dylan DeSue and Dylan Mitchell, they don't necessarily have that. They're using, they're leaning more on the school to get them in that right place. So you're coming in with different goals and obtainable goals for this Texas team when you talk about strength and conditioning. I think that's something that they need to look forward to more and more uh, as Texas continues in this Big 12 is how do we get Texas to be a 40-minute you know, t- team how are we able to have Tyrese Hunter play 34 minutes and not show a complete, you know, kind of meltdown in his leg power in the second half? How do we get it to where the, the field goal percentage doesn't go down? How do we get Caden Shedrick to be healthy and in there where he can play a lot of minutes where we saw he shows that he had some things. He had a great uh, post move to get in there for a bucket, but that was really kind of his one main move. Uh, and other than that, you got to the free throw line. You got there enough times. You didn't get there as much as you like, but you're not always going to be able to do that. Uh, he gets there. It's four for four from the free throw line, but Tyrese Hunter missing three free throws is big. Dylan Nassou missing a couple free throws. You don't want to see that as well. Uh, for guys that, you know, they hit more threes and they hit free throws, that's not necessarily a great sign uh, when you're talking about what you're shooting. But a lot of positives coming out of it for this Texas team at the end of the day. Uh, that you can get the win, that you did hang tough in the second half when things were getting tighter, that you were able to come through, make a big play. Kendall Weaver with the hustle play there at the end to get the extra possession and not having to call the timeout, having them coached up enough before that to have the play of, okay, if they go down on Max, get the ball to Hunter, get the ball to, or get the ball to the Sioux, he's going to come up, feed the ball off to Tyrese Hunter, and if it's open down, if they collapse in, kick it out to one of your shooters on the side. But the play worked perfectly, and they didn't collapse in, which let him go one-on-one for the basket, gets it, and Texas takes the win there. I know there was more discussion after the fact. He came out afterwards about the horns down thing and apologized and apologized to whoever uh, he offended. Uh, It wasn't the best apology in the world, but also I don't necessarily – I'm not as big on it being a huge deal. I'd like to see him show a little bit more fire in everything uh, to get this team fired up, to realize – that the start they had, they're a better team than that. It's not so much that it's unacceptable that what they've done. It's more that why are you not performing at the level we know you can perform at? Why are you not Why are you not at the point where you feel every one of these games matters as much as it does? Texas needs to step back into that role. Uh, but it is a tough. It's a tough Big 12. It's a tough, tough Big 12 this season. And we're seeing that across the league. We saw... Uh, Oklahoma does get a win over Cincinnati, 69-65. to 65. They held Cincinnati to a really good uh, field goal percentage there. Houston, uh, Oklahoma's defense, who Texas is going to play on Tuesday, they're playing tomorrow night, uh, they held Cincy to 38% from the field, 27% from three. Texas is going to have to be able to respond to a heavy defense on the road at Oklahoma on Tuesday. That's going to be a next big step for Texas. Can they get to that next step? We'll talk more about that game tomorrow. Uh, but they should be able to hold Oklahoma a little bit better. This is not a great offensive Oklahoma team. So we'll see what Texas can do there uh, tomorrow. And can they get to the free throw line against an Oklahoma team that's going to play you a little bit rougher? Uh, man, if you want to talk about defense, that UCF, Houston beats UCF 57-42 to to get back where Houston is starting to struggle a little bit, lost some games they shouldn't have lost. They hold UCF 
to 15.9% from the field goal percentage. That's 7 of 44. They shoot 19%, 4 of 21 from three. They made three layups in the game. That's their only buckets that they made inside the three-point line. Three buckets all in the second half. They end up shooting 33 free throws. They make 24 of them. That's how they're in the game at all is half of their points basically come from free throws. Houston has 11 steals, 7 blocks in that game. They foul a ton, but they get the results, and they basically said, okay, we'll send you the free throw line, but you're not getting any other points, and that's how Houston was able to play in this game, making the refs make the decision, are you going to call every single thing, and just played rough through it. Kelvin Sampson challenging the refs in this game and comes out with a win. It's a hard-fought one, but UCF... Uh, only putting up 42 in that game. That is a defense, and if you want to be tough, you can't always get away with that because if they, I don't know if Houston or if Texas has the depth to get away with that because once DeSue gets on the bench and then you're kind of stuck and Shedrick has to play 35 minutes, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do that right now, those kind of, you know, that, that scenario, Houston was able to do it with their depth. I don't know if Texas has that depth to really just challenge the refs like that. Uh, Iowa State, who's number 24, beat uh, TCU 73-72. to uh, TCU led in pretty much every category, but lost this game. It was a weird stat line. It's a weird kind of game to watch. But TCU ends up with 27 turnovers in the game. 27 turnovers. That is far too many for any team to think about winning. But when you out-rebound a team, field goal percentage was better. You shot more free throws. Everything statistically should say that Iowa State wins this game. But 27 turnovers for TCU is one of those reasons why you preach controlling the ball and not turning it over because those turnovers cost TCU in a one-point game. Uh, And for everybody who hates on Rodney Terry for saying you cannot lose to UCF and you cannot lose to West Virginia, bring that energy for Bill Self. And I know, I know it's a false, it's a false equivalent. I'm aware what Bill Self has done. I think he's a great coach, but he is this season with a more talented roster than Texas has, lost to UCF and then lost to West Virginia as well on Saturday. West Virginia top beats uh, number three Kansas, 91 to 85. Uh, Pete, uh, Patrick Sumanick, the player who did really well against Texas, put up 20 against Kansas in that game. Uh, they just got out rebounded in this game. Kansas did. West Virginia shot 57% for three. West Virginia came out, and they're they're going at people, especially coming into West Virginia. They they are set up in a mode of desperation. You have to come in here. You're going to get into a fist fight. And I think just basically everybody's going in there thinking it's an automatic win. West Virginia has proved. They have now beaten Texas. They have beaten Kansas at West Virginia. So if RT, if Rodney Terry did such a terrible job in those, so did Bill Self. And I know Kansas people are pissed about it too, but – I'm just saying it's not equivalent. I'm not comparing Bill Self and Rodney Terry. I'm telling you that the Big 12 is going to be crazy this season, and there's going to be upsets across the board all season long. you got to kind of hold on. Now, do they need to get better? Yes. Are there plenty of other discussions? But should you fire your coach for losing to West Virginia and UCF? No, you shouldn't. And that's the, that's the point I'm trying to get across here as Kansas loses West Virginia. Uh, BYU loses a close one to Texas Tech. Texas Tech goes 85-78 to 78 against BYU. Only five free throws shot for BYU. You can't do that. Pop Isaacs has 32 points in that game. Uh, we'll see if Cincinnati and Kansas can rebound tonight. Which team will? Back at Kansas uh, is a big game tonight, 8 o'clock. For Kansas at since or Cincinnati at Kansas, I should say, will be that game at eight o'clock tonight. That'll be a good game. 
uh, to see if Cincinnati can come after a Kansas team that has just not played up to its ability or Kansas at home should be able to handle the Cincinnati team. Uh, they played better at home, uh, but on the road, they've had some problems this season. Uh, that game at 8 o'clock tonight in the Big 12. Of course, Texas plays tomorrow against Oklahoma. Uh, in the NBA, Spurs go 1-1 one and one over the weekend. Uh, Wimby could only play in the second game. He is not playing back-to-backs due to the ankle injury uh, that he has sprained his ankle enough times, and there's a whole thing about you know people getting mad about it, but the reality is the doctors are saying that you know, trying to give yourself rest time in between to let your ligaments heal properly is what they're doing. He should be being evaluated. They play Philadelphia tonight. Uh, then they're home for five games, five or six games. So he should be able to be reevaluated in that time, and we'll see if he starts playing more minutes. The minutes restriction goes off, and he starts to be able to play back-to-backs. He did play some early in the season before the ankle injuries, uh, but they do beat the Wizards and lose a close one to the Hornets, and not a great road trip uh, so far. Uh, Rockets also go one and one over the weekend. They do beat the Jazz, who've been stepping up. Shingun puts up tw- uh, 37 and 14 in that game. Jabari Smith Jr., 24 and 10. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. sprains his ankle in the game, though, so he does not play the next night against the Celtics. Shingun goes off for another 24 and 12, but uh, the bigger issue there in Houston right now is they are finding some talent. Shingun is stepping up at a high level. But Jalen Green is kind of a piece to the puzzle that they were expecting to be playing at a higher level. He's just not being able to step up and play at that level right now. And so the Rockets are going to need to figure out where to go when a lineup of Van Vliet, you know what he can do. He's not shooting threes great all the time, but the better the rest of the team gets, the better that will get. Uh, Dylan Brooks is having a decent enough season there in Houston as well, bringing the intensity and the toughness. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. seems to be stepping into his role a little bit more. Shingun, you couldn't ask for much more than what he's doing. I think a little bit better post-defense, but other than that, he's playing really well. It's that last position of Jalen Green, uh, which is a top pick for you that you'd really like to work out. But if it doesn't, what do you do with Jalen Green? I think that's the question for Rockets fans uh, right now. Uh, Spurs are taking on the 76ers tonight. It's going to be a tough one, but we get to see the MVP against Wimby, uh, Joel Embiid against Wimby in that game. And uh, the Celtics at the Mavs. Uh, Porzingis out with knee inflammation, but everyone for the Mavs, they because of the uh, the Warriors and the death of their assistant coach, they were off this weekend, which meant they got a little bit more rest to get a little bit healthier, see if Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving can do some stuff with some rest. Uh, trade deadline coming up February 8th. We'll get more into that as the week goes on, but let's get to Patrick's big fat poll of the day. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. Patrick's big fat poll of the day today, talking about Texas basketball, and it was brought up of how many times Texas and Baylor have played and the matchups going back and forth and a lot of great matchups right down the road in Waco. Makes you think you also have a Kansas matchup in the history with Kansas. You know, you can talk about the rivalry with Texas Tech. Uh, a lot of matchups in the Big 12 that you may look at and say, you know what, even though we're leaving the Big 12, that might be a fun one to keep in basketball. I'm not saying in football, saying in basketball, where you have a bit more non-conference and some more games you can put in there. So the poll of the day today, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776. If you keep one Big 12 opponent in basketball, so one person that you say, let's keep this going and let's keep trying to schedule home and aways, in non-conference play, what Big 12 opponent in basketball would you keep? Is it Baylor? Is it Kansas? I mean, I guess you can say Houston now. If you say they're right down the road, they're a good team, you want to keep them? Is it Texas Tech and that rivalry? You'd like to be able to, you know, you don't necessarily want to do it in football, but basketball, you can keep it alive in that. Is it a TCU? That's a game. You know, you say, okay, well, it's another Texas team. We can keep it alive there. 
I can't imagine it'll be Iowa State or West Virginia, but who knows? What do you guys want to put in there? What team, uh, if you keep one Big 12 opponent in basketball, who would it be? 512-447-3776. We come back, we'll start looking at the text line and uh, play some sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie. And we come back here on the Horn 1019 M1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Monday afternoon. We got a new theme of the week, but I thought, you know what? We got some guys listening on the text line. Guys and girls listening on the text line. Uh, if you guys want to take a guess on the theme, I'll, I'll leave it at least till the third one. If y'all want to take some guesses on what the theme of the week will be. It's, it's a little obscure. I don't know if anybody's going to get the actual reason for the theme, but you may get the basis of the theme. Uh, so if you want to play along, jump that in on the text line as well. 512-447-3776. We'll put it down there. Uh, text line is open. I uh, got some text flowing in. Uh, keep Weaver in the starting lineup. He's not in the starting lineup. He's coming off the bench, and he's like the epitome of a bench guy, which is he comes in and brings so much energy and intensity. Uh, you you know you love to see him on there. He's going to be diving around. If he gets the ball, he's looking for the best pass. He's looking to cut and dish the ball back out. Really what you love is a bench guy. And as far as if you could put him in the starting lineup instead of IT Horton, he's a little bit smaller than IT Horton. And also, IT Horton is a better three point shooter. We know he can get hot. You have to go out and guard him because if you give him a couple threes and let him get some open ones, he's probably going to start hitting them and then could kill your team with 20 points. So, Kendall Weaver is not that guy. He can't space the floor quite the right way. So, you'd prefer to keep him off the bench. But I think that 18 to 20 minute mark is where you want to keep him. You want to get him playing more minutes uh, coming off that bench because that's where he can really produce. So it's not so much, you know, and he was in at the end of the game. And, you know, that's what we talk about with those, you know, the Spurs were the, the, the first ones to really make that big with Mono Ginobili. Mono wasn't a starter, but he was always in at the end of the game. And with Kendall Weaver, he may end up being that guy that at the end of the game, when you need the defense and you need the stops and you need that hustle for the ball and who's going to be, who doesn't mind breaking a couple teeth for a jump ball that isn't even going your way? That's Kendall Weaver. So I think you could see him more in those end-of-game lineups that are kind of the real definition of you know, a starting lineup. We could see that one there. Uh, Texter says, uh, San Francisco Shanahan Longhorn versus Detroit Campbell Aggie. First time this has happened in the championship game. Well, I think we're all rooting for the 49ers. It's hard because I know a lot of people are going to be trying to root for the Lions, but I guess that means Longhorn fans, we got to root for Kyle Shanahan. Or did Cowboys fans overseed the Longhorn in you and you root for the you root for the Aggie because you prefer the Lions? Look, I, I as a fan of sports, it seems like having Detroit in this makes it more fun. I like Kyle Shanahan. I've been a fan of Kyle Shanahan as a coach since the 49ers, so I, I'm on board for that. 
Uh, sorry, not the 49ers. Since the Falcons, I loved what his offensive play calling was there. What he got Matt Ryan an MVP that he could never equal again in his career. Those types of things. I love those. Chan says they weren't shooting well in the second half. Uh, where were there any adjustments in the second? Uh, there were some defensive adjustments, but they just lost their legs. They were still getting open threes. Uh, you know, I think Max Aismas kind of took some bad ones there at the second half too, and then they just got away from it. But no, I, I again, when I say strength and conditioning, I'm just not a big fan of it, uh, of those things. And someone says, you don't like the water balls before the game. I don't know because the water balls don't seem like they're going to blow your legs out. That's, it seems to be more of a legs issue. Uh, of that's airballing is normally going to be a legs issue. Uh, but who knows? You know, I, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not a major in strength and conditioning, so I can't tell you that either. Uh, but that's what my guess would be. That's what I would look at first and say, let's just change some things up because I think we're doing a lot the right way, but some things may need to be altered. Uh, I do want to play some sound here from Oklahoma with the Ryan B talking about the Texans. We'll hit that. We'll come back, hit more on the text line, 512-447-3776. Let's do a little uh, hook them up replay here on the Sports Complex. All right, I want to talk about the uh, Texans and their loss to the Ravens. You know, first of all, the the Ravens are just a better team. We've been talking about that all uh, all day long, and we talked about it all week long last week too. But I was surprised the Texans actually kept it close. It was a 10-10 uh, tie at halftime, but after that we saw the Ravens pull away. Uh, we even heard from Lamar Jackson about his – now kind of famous halftime speech. We're from some other guys describing his halftime speech a little bit later on and who said that. But I always point out in uh, big games, you got to break tendency. If you want to win a big game, a lot of focus on your trends, a lot of focus on uh, the patterns and the tendencies of teams, your habits. And last week I, I said that, you know, if, if D'Amico Ryan's considering the talent deficit, he's not – and uh, they're, the Texans are a good team. They won a division, but compared to the Ravens, they're at a talent disadvantage. And considering that, you need to gamble. You're going to have to gamble. You're just going to have to to stay in this game. Um, and they did. They gambled on defense early on this game. I said, you got to blitz. You got to blitz Lamar Jackson only because when he drops back, instead of having to defend three plays in one, you only have to defend one play. All right. If you, if you let him drop back without a blitz, you got to defend the initial play. Then you got to defend the scramble drill. Then you got to defend him as a runner. And he's elite in all those categories. He's an elite pocket passer. He's elite when he's extending the play, second reaction plays, and the scramble drill. And he's elite once he decides to tuck the ball as a runner. He's one of the more elusive uh, ball carriers in all the NFL. So you just don't want to have to defend all three of those plays or scenarios in one because your defense will be worn out and then that's the chance for them to get a big play downfield because you've got to cover for seven eight nine seconds your defense is worn out and then he starts tucking the ball and running and your guys just don't have the juice to keep up or you just can't keep up defending that that scenario for four quarters it'll just wear you down too much D'Amico Ryan seemed to agree uh Lamar Jackson faced a career high 75 percent blitz rate um, and he, but, I mean, he's the MVP, so, I mean, you only can do so much. But he had a 75% blitz rate against him, uh, completing 13 of 18 passes against the blitz for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he got rid of the ball quicker in the second half. The key was um, in the first half, you were getting to him. You had three sacks, 11 pressures uh, when you were blitzing him in the first half. Um, second, I think about 10 pressures is what they say here in next gen stats. 10 pressures, three sacks just on blitzes alone 
in the first half. So you were, st- and they only had 10 points. That was the key. And you were taking, he took longer to get rid of the football. He was processing. Not only seeing the pressure, but he's also trying to process what was happening with the coverages downfield. And he held on to the ball for three and a half seconds on average. Uh, in the second half, he got rid of the football in 2.2 seconds which means he did not have to process much. He knew exactly what he was seeing. They made the right adjustments. Uh, they went with a lot more quarterback run game, which with Lamar Jackson makes a lot of sense. Um, and also, you know, they, did, they had some great adjustments too in their red zone packages. But I like D'Amico Ryan's initial game plan. It was to gamble, and he gambled. It just uh, the adjustments by the Ravens, and in the second half, those gambles did not pay off as much because they made, uh, I think, the adjustments to the hot routes, uh, to the screen game, and Christian Harris, who had one of his best games of the season, he generated team I six pressures um, on 13 pass rushes, the most unblocked pressure by any pass rusher in a game this season. So you had some really sophisticated pressure packages. They were able to get some guys in there unblocked. Um, it just couldn't last. I mean, you were able to do it for two quarters after that. Um, they were able to uh, make the necessary adjustments, and you just couldn't defend Lamar Jackson in all, like I said, in all of those different areas, him as a runner, him as a pocket passer, him as a second reaction player. That's a lot. That's a lot. And that's a, there's a reason they're the toughest offense to defend in the league right now. Yeah, and the, the stingiest defense. Along with the best. <laughs> they said the last time, I believe the last time you had an MVP um, that also was paired up with the top scoring defense, they said it was Brett Favre. Oh. That was the last time you had an MVP paired up with a top uh, scoring defense in the NFL. It's just, it's tough. It's just going to be really tough to defend that that offense no matter who you are. Well, I mean, it's January, too, and you go for 230 rushing yards versus 38. Yeah. Uh, and then you, and if you're Houston, you only rush for 38 yards and you have 11 penalties. So you're putting yourself against the change eight about a run game. Yeah, eight pre-snap. Uh, you know, to a, to a player, the Texans talked about the noise, the crowd noise at MT and Bank Stadium or eight MT Bank or whatever they call it was, was uh, deafening. You could hear it even through the TV. And they were having a hard time. George Fant struggled. I mean, I think everybody took turns jumping off sides. And, you know, got a oh, young, yeah. young quarterback in that crowd, in that environment. I mean, that's why the home field advantage matters. And, uh, and it, it was unfortunate for Houston fans because it seemed like they'd have a good drive going. They'd cross into your approaching, you know, field goal range or, or, or even scoring zone, and then you'd have an offside. Mm-hmm. And then you'd push it back. And then you, so now you're second and 15 without a run game. Uh, I think you're, you're, you know, Bobby Slowick's a really good play call. He had a hard time at that point when you're playing against the chains, against a good defense. And, you know, that, the, the other thing that crowd noise does, Rod, is that you jump off sides, but, you know, your, your linemen are half-step slow getting off the line. Mm-hmm. Right, because now they're worried about jumping yep. off sides. Exactly and right. that gives the defense the advantage and, and get immediate pressure. And they're really good. I mean, they're really a good team, obviously, giving up the fewest points per game. I mentioned this earlier, but for, as we get ready for this game this weekend – so we're now down to four teams, Rod. The, the Ravens have not played the Chiefs yet this year, but they have played Detroit and San Francisco and now Houston twice. In those four matchups with good, good teams, Detroit scored six points. San Francisco scored 19. They beat them 33-19. Mm-hmm. Houston played them twice and didn't score a touchdown offensively in eight quarters. Wow. And they combined to score 56 points in the two games. So they score a lot, and they're hard to get off the field, and they don't give up a lot of points. I mean, that's a great recipe to win a lot of football games. Yeah, also held Mike McDaniel on that Miami offense to 19 points, too. Beat him 56-19. 
Yeah. So. And it feels like they're getting better. Shano, yeah. I mean, it, they they definitely know. he Mike McDaniel, Mike McDonald, excuse me, um, he definitely knows something about defending the, the Mick Shanahan tree of coaches. He's he's figured out something because you talked about Sloic. He did the same thing as Shanahan, Mike McDaniel. The only one he didn't really have a ton of success defending was Sean McVay's Rams. Right when they got going, I think they scored like thirty six, thirty one points. points. Yeah, uh, yeah, thirty one points, maybe something like that. So that's that may be the only one, but everybody else, even Ben Johnson, who doesn't, it's not from the McShanahan tree. He's just a great offensive mind. Six made that guy look pedestrian. He, yeah, he can everybody look bad. And they're not doing anything exotic. I mean, they they run pattern match zone. They they don't blitz a ton. Hell, he had his second highest blitz rate of the season in the first half versus the Texans. Yeah, um, just, he's just brilliant at being able to really scheme up. Uh, creative pressure packages. Well, I think I think your assessment last week opened my eyes and was a great point that the Rams. I watched that whole Rams game and the Rams really picked them apart with Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. And it's almost like as you said that okay, that's the McShanahan offense. That's Sean McVay, and they they learned from it mm-hmm. because then they played Kyle Shanahan and stumped them, and then they played Mike McDonald and they stuffed them. I mean, they, now they're playing Bobby Slowick, so they have the recipe for that. Now you're going to get Mahomes and Andy Reid. Yeah, and if they get to play Shanahan again. Man, they said they got the recipe. They do, and they're and and, and Lamar is playing really mm-hmm. relaxed and really confident football right now. He's you know his 100 yards rushing were killers. I mean that's really uh, you said you like the Texans defensive game plan. They just don't have the horses right now, especially they a don't. linebacker. I don't think and no. that you know Lamar just is just really it's what makes him a problem. I mean you you cover everybody, you do a good job behind it, and that guy's legs are still a real real problem. It's the biggest problem in the NFL right now. Like this, there's no tougher problem to solve than the Lamar Jackson problem. Because he can really throw it. <laughs> he can he's really got, run it. I mean, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Isaiah Likely, you know, Aguilar and Beckham. I mean, they yeah. got they got pieces, and they may get Mark Andrews back. And I, I would lean towards guessing that Mark Andrews will play because he almost played in this game. And so he's got another week to heal up. I would guess you see Mark Andrews out Honestly, there in the AFC Championship. Yeah, because I just got two weeks before the Super Bowl. So you can put him out there. If he re-injures it, you'd have two more weeks to get him ready. But honestly, Greg Roman, and the crazy thing about it, Lamar Jackson about to win his second MVP, running a totally different system. Not any system even similar yeah. to what he ran. I mean, with Greg Roman, you're running 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, 21 personnel. You're having more running backs and tight ends on the field than wide receivers that time. And he wins unanimous MVP running that system. And now – Fast forward, he's basically kind of running that, the Kaepernick system from back in the day. Now you fast forward, and now he's running essentially Todd Munkin's air raid offense <laughs> where he's spreading teams out. And then you realize, I don't know if there's an offense he couldn't run. Yeah. He can run all of them, but this one is easily the more, the more dangerous um, because Greg Roman was doing us a favor by not spreading him out enough. But now they, they still use the Greg Roman stuff. They'll still come out there with multiple tight ends and running backs, but now they can just come out and also spread you out the next down. With three and four wide receivers, and that is just unfair. Yeah, when they, it's unfair. When, yeah, when he spreads you out, now you got a real problem. Oh, you got to have someone who can spy him or run with him. And, Come and on. who has that? Who has that? Then they got <laughs> then they bring in dragon routes right behind the spy. And if the spy, if he does, if he if he spends spend too much time and resources worried about Lamar Jackson, then I got crossing routes right behind him. If he's worried too much about the crossing routes, leaves too much grass for Lamar. There's really. No right answer. <laughs> it's good stuff, and that's why the, the the matchups against the really good teams in the league have been really one-sided in Ravens' favor, including this one, 34-10. Good stuff there. I'm going to hook him up with Ian Robbie. Weekday morning, 6-11, to 11, right here on the Horn. We're going to come back, get into the text line, 512-447-3776. You want to talk Texas basketball? You want to talk some NFL playoffs? Uh, you got to answer the poll of the day. NBA as well. If you want to talk some NBA, if you're a Rockets fan, 
and uh, you think you have a solution to the Jalen Green issue or you're a Spurs fan and you want to figure out what they can do with the trade deadline, the Mavs got a big game tonight, what they're going to be able to do with the trade deadline, uh, send that in, 512-447-3776. Or the poll of the day, if you could keep one Big 12 opponent in basketball to do non-conference, who would it be? Send that all in on the text line, 512-447-3776. We come back, we'll start hitting it up right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Sports Complex here on the Horn. It is, uh, you know, we're letting you on the text line. We're letting you on the text line. Take some guesses if you want to take a guess on what the theme of the week is. I'll let you take another guess. Uh, we'll go to the last song uh, before we go ahead and tell you what the theme is. So keep that in. 512-447-3776. Text line's open. Whatever you guys want to talk about, send it in. We'll hit you, reset it there at the top of the hour. We'll get into some NFL talk as well. I uh, like this one. What, the, what do you think the biggest hole is uh, the Longhorn football team needs to fill in the transfer portal? Uh, I would say the biggest hole right now, when you've addressed the edge, you've started to address the, the defensive back position, Jade Barron's coming back, especially if you get a Jabbar Muhammad, uh, who has not said where he's going yet. You know There are still some other guys. I, I'm going to say it's the interior defensive line right now. Losing Byron Mitchell, uh, losing uh, Byron, losing Tavondre, losing too many guys that you, you're trying to replace that. I know Alfred Collins is coming back. You have some other guys coming back. But that might, to me, it, it was such a strength this year. It, if you don't get somebody in there, it feels like it may be a pretty big step back. You don't know what Alfred Collins is going to be able to do, but he uh, hasn't been consistent enough. Uh, but that's where I would put it. Uh, if anybody else has another one, the linebacker position seems like it'll be okay. There's some good young talent in that linebacker room. Uh, everything on offense seems like it's been replenished. Uh, you know, you could use some more offensive linemen, but they're keeping those guys coming in uh, through the recruiting classes, so may not need to hit that as much uh, through the transfer portal. But I'd say the interior D-line would be my guess for the biggest area that they're still trying to figure out. But until they can name their next coach, which a lot of people think it may be Rod Wright from Houston, uh, they just got eliminated, so that may happen, and then you will see the defensive line, uh, that interior D-line, get uh, a bit more talked about and more in the transfer portal, more in recruiting, all of that. But right now, without a D-line coach, it's hard to hit that uh, that need. Uh, text here says, on our question of the Big Fat Poll today, who would you keep in the Big 12 for basketball? Keep Okie State. That's not the one I would have thought. I don't know if that's the one I keep. Okay, State. I don't know if they're a good enough basketball program, the rivalry's there enough. To keep that, I think Oklahoma should keep that in basketball for sure. I don't know if they're going to allow them. I don't know if it's going to be like the Aggies where they didn't want to do anything with us when they moved, but uh, that's one. Uh, Kansas and Houston are consistent benchmarks. Tech and Baylor are only rivalries for people in Lubbock and Waco. I look, I, I wouldn't keep playing Tech just because I know it's only going to get more. It's 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 too crazy at points, and and it's 
it really doesn't serve you as much. Baylor's a really good basketball program, though, so I'm fine with playing against a good Baylor basketball program that's right down the road in Waco that, you know, through everything else, it's a bus ride away. That, for me, kind of makes it a, a better home and away than some of these other places where I have to travel a little bit more. Kansas seems a little bit further. I think Houston would still be in that. Uh, so I think Kansas you'd be okay with doing every once in a while, but it may be too much for either program that they want to play that type of program. But I think Baylor, for me, just makes sense of it's a they're both good programs. Scott Drew has done a great job at Baylor. They can they're consistently relevant. And it's also close enough that it's a road game, but it's not like hey, we have to load up the you know, we have to load up the the plane and go go to a hostile, super far environment and you're just able to take the bus down to Waco, and they're able to take the bus here. That it makes it kind of make sense for me to keep those games. Uh, Texter says I wouldn't keep any of those mfers. Yeah, uh, you know, and I get that too. Say, hey man, let's move on, and we'll reassess in a couple years, but not keeping any of them. I get that. <laughs> Texter now says, "Go Lions." When I was asking earlier about, uh, you know, that the fact that you have a Texas coach in. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, the Texas brought that up. Texas coach and Kyle Shanahan versus an Aggie coach uh, in Detroit. Who will you be going for? And if you're a Texas fan, are you stuck up against it? Or are you going for the team that's not the 49ers because you're a Cowboys fan? Or you just want to see somebody different in those Lions fans as much as they've suffered over the years to finally get something going well? That team that we can look and then show Jerry Jones, hey, hey, Jerry, this team finally put football people in charge of things. And stop pretending, but they put football people in charge and they stop trying to do everything themselves. And uh, all of a sudden, they're starting to become a better football franchise and they're going into games that you haven't been to in a long time because you don't have football people in charge. You have yourself and Steven Jones and Will McClay's a great voice, but you need to have more football people in charge of everything. But I, I, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. We know he's not going to do that. Uh, Chan says, Kendall Weaver. Texas men's basketball, junkyard dog, love it. Yeah, Kendall Weaver is killing it right now. I, he was one of those guys that you could see early in the season that you like to see his energy and intensity, and he is a guy that will go down and get anything, get on the floor. He'll go after it, and you want to see those kind of plays. And exactly, the play at the end of the game is a perfect example of that type of player mixed with intelligence that he's able to poke the ball back out to Max Asmus to keep that ball alive but not do it where he hit it back to the backcourt and it's two points going the other way, which is a very possible thing that you can do when you're when you're trying to make that big play that you overdo it. Uh, I think you know he he shot some threes earlier in the season. It seems like that that green light for the three pointer is no longer there in Big Twelve play. I'd like to be able to see if he can kind of get the practice, get the three point percentage up enough that they allow him to shoot a few threes. See if he can get that going. Because if he can hit a few threes. And that means it's a you know it opens up a lot more because now he's someone that can continue to stretch the floor and you know what they talk about in the in the NBA three and D man can you be a three and D player and Dylan Mitchell if he could be a three and D guy right now then everybody would love it and if if you get Kendall Weaver and you just make him three and D guys you know it's not, that three point shot's difficult to keep growing during the regular season but man if you're Texas you got to keep pushing that. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get back to the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. We'll get back to that. Talk some NFL as well. Reset everything. We get back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.